Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 52 of The Christian's Daily Walk by Henry Scudder. Keep, therefore, the conscience tender by all means. Number one, by hearkening readily to the voice of the word. Number two, by a careful survey of your ways daily. Number three, by keeping the conscience soft with godly sorrow for sin. Number four, by hearkening to the voice of conscience, admonishing and checking for sin. Either of these three kinds of conscience, viz, the blind, presumptuous, and seared conscience, will admit of a kind of peace, or truce, rather, for a while, while it sleeps. But what God said of Cain's sin must be conceived of all sin. If thou dost not well, sin lies at the door. Genesis 4, 7. And upon what terms soever it lies still, and troubles not the conscience for a time, yet it will awake in its time, and then, by as much as it did admit of some peace and quiet, it will grow more turbulent, mad, and furious. And if God give not repentance, this false peace ends for the most part either in a reprobate mind, Romans 1, 21 through 29, or a desperate end, Matthew 27, 5. Even in this life, besides the hellish horrors in that which is to come. Now, to the end that no man should quiet his heart in this false and dangerous peace, whether it proceed from the aforementioned causes or any other, I would advise him to try his peace, whether it be not false, by these infallible marks. Number one, is any man at peace with God's enemies, allowing himself in the love of those things or persons which hate God and which are hated of God, such as are the world and the things of the world, whereby he denies the power of godliness, delighting in any evil company, or living in any willful or gross sin, as vain or false swearing, open profanation of the Sabbath, malice, adultery, theft, lying, or in any of those mentioned, Second Timothy 3, 2 and 3, or in any known sin with allowance. The Holy Ghost saith of such that the love of God is not in them. Therefore, the peace of God is not in them. 1 John 2.15 And whosoever makes himself a friend to his lusts and to the world makes himself an enemy of God. James 4.4 4. If any man be at peace with the flesh, the world, and the devil, he is not at true peace with God, nor God with him. If any such expect peace and should ask, is it peace 
Answer may be made like to that which Jehu made. What have you to do with peace? What peace, so long as your notorious sins and rebellions, wherein you delight, are so many? Second Kings nine nineteen twenty two. For he that cares not to keep a good conscience towards God and towards men cannot have true peace of conscience. Hebrews eight eighteen. For there is no true peace but in a good conscience. Number two, is any man not at peace, but at war, rather, with God's friends and with the things which God loves, being out of love with spiritual and devout prayer, hearing the word, the company of God's people, and the like? If any man despise the things that God commands and loves, certainly God and he are not reconciled, 2 Timothy 3.5. And whatsoever his form of godliness be, God esteems him to be yet in a state of perdition. For whosoever saith he knows God, but yet loves not, and keeps not his commandments, he is a liar. 1 John 2, 4. And if any man love not his brother, whatsoever show of peace and friendship is between God and him, I am sure God saith, He that does not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loves not his brother. 1 John 3, 10. He is a child of the devil and therefore has no true peace with God. Number three, he whose quiet of heart and conscience is from false peace is willing to take it for granted that his peace is sound and good and cannot abide to look into or to inquire into his peace or to try whether it be true or whether it be false or no, being, as it seems, afraid, lest stirring the mud and filth that lies in the bottom of his heart, he should disquiet it. And for this cause it is that such an one cannot endure a searching ministry. Second Chronicles thirty six sixteen, Acts seven fifty four. Nor will like that minister who will dive into the conscience by laying the heart and conscience open to the light and purity of God's word. Thus I have showed you what is a first and chief impediment to be removed, viz. presumption and false hope, if you would have true peace. For false hopes breed only false peace. Chapter 15 Concerning False Fears The second head to which I reduced impediments to true peace is False fear, for if you doubt, fear, or despair of your estate without cause, it will much disturb and hinder your peace. Section 1 of Needful Holy Fear There is an holy fear and despair wrought in man when God first 
convinces his heart and conscience of sin. Whereupon, through sense of God's wrath and heavy displeasure, together with a sense of his own disability in himself to satisfy and appease God's wrath, he is in great perplexity, being out of all hopes to obtain God's favor or to escape the vengeance of hell by anything which he of himself can do or procure. This is wrought, more or less, in every man of years before conversion, as in those which were pricked to the heart at Peter's sermon, Acts 2.37, and in Paul himself, Acts 9.9, and in the jailer, Acts 16.29. This is a good, necessary fear, serving to prepare a man to his conversion. For in God's order of working, he first sends the spirit of bondage to fear before he sends the spirit of adoption to enable a man to cry, Abba, Father, Romans 8.15. This fear and trouble of conscience arising from it is good and makes way to true peace. Moreover, after that a man is converted... Though he have no cause to fear damnation, yet he has much matter of fear, forasmuch as he is yet subject unto many evils, both of sin and pain, as, lest he offend God and cause his angry countenance and his judgments, also, lest he should fall back from some degrees of grace received, and lest he should fall into some dangerous sin, and so lose his evidence of heaven and comforts of the Spirit. Wherefore, we are commanded to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, Philippians 2.12, and to pass the whole time of our sojourning here in fear, 1 Peter 1.17. This fear, while it keeps due measure, causes a man to be circumspect and watchful, lest he fall. It excites him to repent, and quickens him to ask pardon, and grace to recover when he is fallen. Yea, is an excellent means to prevent trouble, and to procure peace of conscience. But the fear of which I am to speak, and which, because it disturbs true peace, is to be removed, is a groundless and causeless fear, that a man is not in a state of grace, although he has yielded himself to Christ by true faith and conversion, and has not only given good hope to others, but, if he would see it, has cause to conceive good hope that he is indeed in the state of grace. Section 2 of Causeless Fear and the Springs Thereof This fear may arise either from natural distempers, Satan joining with them, or from spiritual temptations arising from causeless doubts. Number one, of fears which arise from natural distempers. By natural distempers, I mean a disposition to frenzy or melancholy in which states of body the spirits are corrupted through superabundance of 
color, and melancholy, whereby first the brain, where all notions of things are framed, is distempered, and the power of imagination corrupted, whence arise strange fancies, doubts, and fearful thoughts. Then, secondly, by reason of the intercourse of the spirits between the head and the heart, the heart is distempered and filled with grief, despair, and horror through manifold fears of danger, yea, of damnation, especially when Satan concurs with those humors, which, as he easily can, so he readily will do, if God permit. Where there is trouble of this sort, it usually brings forth strange and violent effects, both in body and mind, and that in him who is regenerate, as well as in him that is unregenerate, yea, so far, that which is fearful to think, even those who, when they were fully themselves, did truly fear God, have, in the fits of their distemper, through impotency of their use of reason, and through the devil's forcible instigation, had thoughts and attempts of laying violent hands upon themselves and others, and when they have not well known what they have done or said, have been heard to break out into oaths, cursing, and other evil speeches, who were never heard to do the like before. These troubles may be known from true trouble of conscience, by the strangeness, unreasonableness, and senselessness of their conceits in other things, as to think that they have no heart, and to say they cannot do, which indeed they do, and a thousand other odd conceits, which standers by see to be most false. Whereby, any man may see that the root of this disturbance is in the fancy, and not in the heart. This concludes episode 52 of Henry Scudder's The Christian's Daily Walk.